Okay, seriously. Welcome to Smathcast. Tonight we got a fun topic. We've had we're kind of uh burned out on Saber talk, so we're gonna talk about being burned out. Uh we're gonna talk about hearts of kyber. We're gonna talk about people getting their ass kicked in training, people who uh determined to win at all odds. We're gonna talk about the Rocky Balboas, the uh Captain Marvels of the Saber community. Um, we're going to talk about times when you get so ground down that you think that like you're you're lower than the dirt, and all of a sudden you just your hand shoots through like the end of a zombie movie. So uh, this should be a really fun conversation. I've got Miss Katie Maine, the mistress of Seresu. I've got Senor Flipper Day Contention. Uh, Nick the Penguin Richardson, and of course... No, he's two stars. Yeah, the two-star <laughs> emperor himself. And uh, of course, the Southwestern Sifu, the man with all sorts of word play plans. I... <laughs> Alan Venable. <Yeah>. Hello. <laughs> Guys, gal, uh, first of all, busy night for SMAF. We had some holocron classes tonight. For anybody who's not familiar, uh, I don't know how much we talked about it on the podcast. The holocron is something you only get if you're a SMAF affiliate. So go to SaberMartialArts.life and become a SMAF affiliate. Uh, how, how do you guys feel? Well, what's up? What's going on? Update. Oh, it's like 9.30 my time. Oh my gosh, 9.30. Whoa. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Right, it's, past, it's already tomorrow we were... where where Mark is. He's, he's yeah, in the future. Remember? That's what I'm saying. It's Friday. Y'all still on Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Catch up. I got that new hotness. Y'all on that old Busta joint? <laughs> I think we're just right. chilling, man. We chilling. Might go get a drink. I'm I'm drinking a. <laughs> Oh boo! I'm disappointed. I'm just disappointed in you. No, wait. You you won't be disappointed. You'll think I'm gaming the system when you find out how I got this, and about 173 of its brothers and sisters. Um, God, for, for free. So disappointing. For free. No, I'm so so disappointed. Okay, well then I'm not gonna tell you the story because you don't <laughs> care. <laughs> 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 no, uh, this topic tonight. Okay, I got it for free because. Uh, my father-in-law gave him to me from my sister-in-law's wedding. He's like, you want to be... I'm like, yeah. And then I had literally a pickup truck full of... There's your story, Katie. <laughs> See, I knew you'd appreciate it, even though you said you're talking all that smack. I'm still okay. disappointed, but I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so tonight's topic is really kind of impromptu, and I think, I think it's going to be fun. There's going to be some times where... Um, we're going to try to protect people's like um, sense of self-worth. Uh, I know that sometimes we won't be talking about our own experiences. We'll be talking about experiences we've witnessed in people's training. Um, but we're just going to try to make sure that everybody that we're talking about, uh, if we should so happen to mention their name, we'll make sure they sound super dope by the end of the story so that um, they don't feel like we're ragging on them. Because... Training is hard. When you train and you train because you want to get better, training is hard. It's supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be easy all the time. 
there's times when you can have easy days, but it's supposed to, it's supposed to be hard. So let's just do this. Alan, you probably, no, you definitely have the most martial arts experience out of all of us. What is one time where you remember just being like totally ass whooped in training and kind of feeling like this, that was probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest moments you'd have ever experienced up to that point. Two aha moments come to, come to mind really quick. The first time was uh, when I was uh, just starting out. Uh, I don't think I even had two graduations under my belt yet. Um, at the time, the uh, <laughs> so dating myself, <clears throat> we used to have white belts that gradually turned black. So uh, as the tradition goes, you wear your white belt and all the sweat, blood, tears, dirt, all the grime gradually turn, you know, the, the, the belt would eventually just wear down and become black, right. Or grayish. Right. Um, so we actually did, uh, our school was small enough so that we would actually, uh, dye the belt in sections. So I got to the point where I could finally get to an intermediate class and that's half my belt was black. So, um, I got to one point and we were doing a very simple, uh, well, simple now, <laughs> but it was the first time I ever did this technique, uh, which was because it's Chinese and poetic. It's called King Presents His Palm. And basically what you have to do is uh, cartwheel your hands or uh, do wheel arms. And then you have to uh, extend your, your arms out, fingers first, and then uh, turn your palm over and uh, do what's called a chung, which is basically uh, to knock somebody across the room with your palm so <laughs> we did this it was shown to us and we did it about 10 times and then we did it another 10 times just as a okay let's take a look and do it again and we did it again and we did it again and oh right God. about 80 times i looked at my teacher and i was like am i supposed to be out of breath am i supposed to uh, is this supposed to be this hard and he looked at me and didn't even didn't even uh skip a step he didn't he didn't even stop walking past me he was just like yeah if you're weak and i and in my oh, mind no. i was like i was like you know what he's right and i just did the the, the last 20 because i didn't we didn't know that we were going to do 100 of these things full body like turn your body into a, a cannonball and then explode out of that cannonball with a with a strike techniques and that was and we weren't even done with the warm-up yet you know sort of deal uh and that was one of my my defining moments as a as a kung fu man was like, yeah, are you going to be that guy? Are you going to be the weakling in the class? No, you're going to keep going. Well, that's a powerful uh, motivator for me. Just speaking personally. Yeah. Well, it, it it's it the thing about being motivational, I guess, or inspirational is knowing exactly what that student needs at that point in time. And this is kudos to my teacher of, of realizing this, you know, 20 year old kids just, you know, complaining at you like, Oh my God, this is hard. And <laughs> you realize like, yeah, it is. And I'm going to tell it to you in the, the shortest, most uh, 
blunt way possible that it's your fault that it's hard. Yeah. Oh, okay. And if you want it to not be hard, you got to work at it. Um, I believe, uh, I believe the, uh, the turn of phrase nowadays is get good. So <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, that was basically the, uh, uh, one of my defining moments uh, of my personal development was realizing that, yeah, you know what? It is hard if you're weak. So don't be weak, get strong. Get strong. Yeah, get strong. Yeah, you might not be strong now, but don't don't be a quitter. Yeah, you have to actually work at it. You know, and he swear 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 to, you know, all the sacred ones above and below. That's exactly what the man said and that's exactly how I remember the story. Um the second the second time uh and ah man, as I started to talk about it more more stories come up, but uh yeah, on the uh, on the flip side, you know, I've seen many people get to their black belt, and uh, I've seen I've trained these these people, men, women, children, you know, to actually see beyond where they are now, and to become something that they they didn't realize they were, or. Uh, maybe something that I kept on telling them they could achieve and they finally broke the surface of that, that belief and actually became that person. And that usually shows up uh, at the first street black belt test. Much like, uh, you know, when you talk about lightsabers, we talk about there is something to be said about seeing yourself at a certain point and becoming the person that you have uh, set the goal out to be. You know, and if you don't know who that is, uh, find somebody that is your version of success and emulate them. Fake it till you make it. And then before long, you'll realize you are that person. And that's the same advice I gave to, uh, at that point, he was 10. And uh, basically, he was, he was one of my students' kids. He, I trained him since he was five. He was about 10 at this point. He's uh, perpetual perpetual red belt we like to call them basically they they have everything they need except they don't see themselves as black belts so they never pass their test or they don't, never even take their test and uh i've been working with him privately for about a year and i told him he had everything he needed he just has to show up and do it and uh every single time for about a year I, he was just like maybe 70 percent 80 percent there 90% there on his good days. And the day of his black belt test, I remember uh, one of the things we do is we do a horse stance, um, fundamental martial arts stance, and we just have them count and count and count and just stay in the lowest horse stance they could, <clears throat> putting a staff across their thighs so that it's level and everything like that. And uh, I remember uh, seeing people like grown men and women tears in their eyes you know falling you know sitting back and then picking up that staff and getting back up again and, and doing it in this particular black belt test there was about 25 30 people in the room and the only person that didn't fall down was that kid and he stayed through the whole thing it was if you count to 500 and say the word sir in between every number that's how long he was in there it was almost 10 minutes 
Gosh. Of course, he couldn't walk after that, but he, oh, yeah. he, he was he was super sore, but he got up and I was like, I, I had a tear in my eye. I was like, all right, he finally sees it. He finally understands the determination uh, it takes to break his own boundaries, to break his own limitations. And that's another thing. You know, you, you're, if you fight for your limitations, you're rewarded. You get to keep them. So. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be chewing on that in my brain for a while. Horse stance. As soon as you said a horse stance, I cringed. <laughs> it's, it. it's fundamental. No. Um, yeah. So the thing about horse stance is that it's so good for the rest of your body. So I was going to say it's good for so many things. Yeah. Well, it it's... Uh, I, I like to joke that it's the cure for depression because you won't be depressed if you're in a horse stance. Dude, you're um, crying. You'll be, you'll be crying. You'll be like, why am I doing this? You'll be angry. You'll have a gamut of emotions, but it won't be depression. <laughs> It'll bring you right into this moment right now because uh, you're, you're, you're so into that bit of Zen that you're present because every part of you even though your arms are not really involved, even your arms are sore after a while. If <laughs> you're sitting horse stance mm-hmm. long enough, um, but no, horse stance is actually really good for you because of the way the human body is put together, the way the uh, the bones, the tendons, the ligaments, the muscles, and even the skin is in there. Uh, the lymph nodes are actually uh, squeezed correctly. If you do it correctly, your back has to be straight, your shoulders down, your head up. All that stuff is actually uh, being stressed at in horse stance which is the, the funniest uh, thing because standing still is the best exercise. Yeah. And standing still hmm. sometimes for really long time, like you said, like I'm, I'm thinking about it now. I have like stumpy legs, you know, like garden stumpy gnome, legs. garden gnome type legs, <laughs> garden but gnomes. I can, I, I can leg press a house and it's because of horse stance, but other than just like my stumpy garden gnome powerhouse legs, it's like I can, I can move well. You know what I mean? Like your legs are, they have to hold you all day. Oh yeah. And when you, when you go to sleep, that's the only time that your legs get a chance to chill. Not when you're sitting down. Sometimes sitting down is worse on your legs than walking all day. So, like, you know, horse stance is not footwork, but it helps your footwork. It helps your whole body, like you said. And sometimes it's that, what did you call it? That bit of zen. It's that, like, focusing so hard on the pain of horse stance that all the other techniques you're practicing become instinctive. You know, like if you're doing a cut sequence or a block sequence or something, and all you're doing is holding a horse stance, a lot of times all you're thinking about is, oh, I wish I was not holding a horse stance right now. <laughs> Before you know How it. How can I cry with, without my teacher seeing me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Big caveat. Or that guy I'm about to spar. Let, don't, like, don't let him know that I'm in more pain than he's in right now. Um, yeah. Right. So, okay. So, Nick, I'm curious. Maybe from from fencing training, maybe from saber. When when is a a time where you uh, personally 
felt like you, you kind of got your ass handed to you in training. So admittedly, I don't think anything as dramatic as what Alan was saying. No, uh, no, right. <laughs> however, uh, I recently broke because of training about a year ago during COVID. Um, I had a, I had a very long fight with another, uh, with another lightsaber league and it was going to be a really long, it was gonna be like a good 20 minute fight to a lot of points. And I was out of shape because, you know, the world had shut down. So I was like, hey, one of my students, he's a former MMA fighter. I'm going to have him put me through a fight camp because it's, you know, 12 weeks till the fight, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, sometimes I have ideas that sound really good in my head. <laughs> but then, like, it happens. And to be fair, I did all of it. I am very proud of myself that I did it. And for those that don't know, a fight camp, and correct me if I'm wrong, because, again, it was only my first one. Could have been a baby fight camp for all I know. But a fight camp in his eyes was like, you're going to work out every day for like two to three hours. You're going to watch your diet. You are going to be literally no rest days for 12 weeks. You get one rest week, and that's right before your fight. And that's it. And oh, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to that's curse. All right. um, that's all right. I have droid sorry, sounds folks. and stuff. I have droid sounds. But he, and, and for those that don't know, my student Jason, he is also a former national champion of, ta- of MMA in Taiwan. He has a couple of national titles as well from like 20 years ago. The dude's. Dude's very respected back is very respected as far as I can tell. And um, he put me through, he put me through living hell. I've never weightlifted in my life. I'm definitely, I I can definitely lift weights now. I've never vomited during working out before that. I have vomited many times because of working out now. It's, um, it's just, it's a lot of lifting weights. It's a lot of like your muscles are never not in pain and it's, it's fun. It was a lot of fun and I'm actually trying to do it again. I just recently saw, well, I wanted to say two dudes go through fight camp, but admittedly, this is one of those moments I was talking about earlier where I'm going to make sure I don't make this guy sound like a a loser because he's not. Um, But one of them didn't end up fighting, didn't end up signing the fight contract because he broke in training, like totally couldn't handle it. Um, to his credit, tried to come back and train again after losing it and couldn't handle it. And, uh, he just decided like his brain wasn't in the place to fight that his body was in, if that makes sense. Like they weren't in the same place. Yes. So for kind of a clarification, I started this fight camp, uh, with six other people. By the end of the 12 weeks, it was just me and one other person right. that remained. And the thing the thing that a lot of people don't understand, you see it in manga, you see it in anime a lot. Uh, Hajime no Ippo is a really good one about a boxer. He does a lot of fight camps in that one. And people mm. really think it's a great, fun idea. And there's this glorified, like, oh, I'll train a little bit and I'll have these amazing results. But no, it's literally working out every day for 12 weeks you know, you're going to deprive yourself of water on this day. You're going to deprive yourself of food on that day. You got to like, you're going to be crying when you wake up and you're going to cry when you go to sleep. It's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and a lot of people, some of the people they dropped within the first week or two, because it's just, and it got more intense as time goes on. So I completely understand. Like if someone doesn't want to do it, you have to be in the right state of mind, like to do it. It's, t- it's freaking hard, man. It's really hard. When you say like um, fight camp, obviously, I, I want to put it into perspective for people. Basically, it doesn't really matter what you're actually doing. It's 
that you're living, eating, breathing, sleeping, bleeding, crying, pooping, peeing, repeat, fighting, period. Now, that sometimes means weightlifting. That sometimes means running. That sometimes means biking or swimming or uh, playing tennis for all, you know, if that's your thing. But, like, you're supposed to be sweating. You're supposed to be so tired all the time that you're not thinking. And you're supposed to still be getting better over the course of that time. You're training so hard to win that it could be the training to win that causes you to lose and you're okay with that. Like, that's what fight camp means from what I've seen and experienced. I highly recommend anyone who is, like, in a combat sport that's been in it casually, I recommend dipping your toes and asking your coach or maybe you have someone that you know that's a personal trainer to put you through one for two weeks, like a little taster. Because if you could handle two weeks of it, you might want to look into doing more, and you might surprise yourself. You may actually be – you can become – really good really quickly and i mean the results spoke for themselves with the fight that i had i won it almost like unquestionably i was not really ever touched again if your brain and body are aligned you can you can accomplish some good stuff but no that that training definitely kicked my ass like i'm not looking forward to starting it again but like at the same time i (laughs) there there is merit there is merit in training Right. There is merit in training. And, and, you know, how do you know what your limits are if you never push yourself past them? True. True. Hey, y'all, this is your main man, Foe. Just want to say thank you so much for listening to the Saber Martial Arts Foundation podcast. I really hope you're enjoying today's show. I also just want to take a quick second to thank our sponsor and the official Sabersmith of SMAF, Key Sabers. If you're not familiar with Key Sabers, well, now's the time to get familiar. They offer two flagship combat-grade sabers, the Persuader and the Slayer. The Persuader is a community favorite. It's been around for a while, sits at about 11 inches in hilt length. The blade retention is about 3.5 to 4 inches, which is just ridiculous and super balanced. And the newest saber model would be the Slayer. Slayer is about 13 inches standard. But you can buy an extender for that to get it out to 16 inches if that's your thing. And really, the main feature of every key saber is their all-in-one chassis system. The owner, Kyle, designed this chassis to fit the LED, the rechargeable battery, the switch, and if you buy one, the sound card, into this really sleek 3D printed design. Just a couple inches long, fits real snug into the bottom of your hilt and it won't be rattling around and breaking stuff inside your hilt while you're fighting which of course as a saber martial artist or just somebody who takes their saber fighting kind of seriously you're really going to appreciate that and with the switch on the bottom there's no greeblies on the outside of the hilt to like mess with your grip or cut into your palm or anything like that The best news is SMAF individual affiliates can talk to a board member or members of affiliate schools can talk to your head instructor and earn special pricing off the entire Keysabers lineup. Okay, enough babbling. Go to Keysabers.com, K-I-S-A-B-E-R-S.com and add a real martial arts tool to your toolkit now. Katie, is that a good segue into an SDS story? Uh, Yeah. I'd like one for you personally if you got one to start us out. I got with. some when I was like in high school when I was doing track and field because my weightlifting coach was freaking brutal. Hey, 
give it to us because you know why? It's still a martial art if you're treating it as a discipline, right? So let's get to it. I was shot put in discus. I I I did wait. So throwing spears and throwing ninja stars and stuff. Let's hear it. Uh, high school, you were not allowed to throw javelin. Trust me, I wanted it to. <laughs> so you could only do shot and disc. <laughs> uh, javelin's college. Um, so I think. So I started off. Well, uh, I actually started off with in golf. That was what I, that was like my first sport I did in sophomore year of high school. Um, my dad looked at me, he's like, you're going to do this. You're going to do this until you're a senior. And I'm like, all right. And so I did that with golf and I did that with track and how it worked. Our, our golf season for the girls, it started in, uh, August and then it would go into October. And then on the off season, which was winter i was training for track and then track was spring and then as soon as track season was over i was training during the summer slash well actually yeah during the summer i was training for golf so for three years i was training year-round like with everything um so for for track though um my weightlifting coach may rest in peace he was a wonderful man and I'm, i'm really sad that he passed um, but because he had such a heart for his students and such a heart for seeing you improve the best you can be. And if there are certain things you, you were not physically able to do, he would work around it. I mean, he worked with Eric really well, um, like when Eric, because Eric's in a chair. So he would come up with things for Eric to do while like to work out and whatnot during like the athletics that, like period we had. Um, so... <laughs> I actually did this. I introduced what he taught us to SDS when I did uh, conditioning nights. So he introduces this thing called Tabatas and I hate Tabatas. It's basically four minutes of you just pushing your body to the absolute limit. Um, So it's like a 30, 30 seconds of pushing 10 second break another 30 second pushing 10 seconds. I think it was four minutes if I did my math right. So he introduced it to us. And so he, and this is, this was our cool down. This wasn't our warm up. This was our cool down before, after we already did all of our like running presses, squats, uh, chin lifts, everything. And so like, we're already exhausted because we're already doing this for like a half an hour as it is or longer and so we did the thing we first started was like a I think we did horse dance we did a horse dance we did squats we did uh the football team had to do burpees I just had to do squat and jumps because I wasn't on the football team um and then there were some other like running in place so he had like a whole assortment of stuff and he was constantly researching it I remember the first day we did that I was with my friend and we both looked at each other. We were struggling to walk back to our walkers because our legs felt like jelly. And like the next day we still had to go to school. I couldn't move. Like even just like laying down, my muscles were like crapped and I couldn't like just moving out to get out of bed. I just wanted to cry because my legs were just so sore. And so, but I had it like, um, 
like the very next day though, I still had athletics and I still had to do all of like, you know, all the squats, bench presses and everything else. And you're just sitting there just crying. What did you like learn or, or what did you like, did you see an improvement after all that or, or truthfully, did you not? Oh, no, I did. I, I, uh, because he had what he did, like I said, he set it up for each. So for the football team, he had like one way to do it, uh, like one set of like stuff that they had to do track team and then like the, the sprinters and then the throwers. And so for us, um, he was very encouraging. I, I think I asked him what time, like coach, why, why are, or I don't even think I asked him. I just was, I think I was doing squats or something with the bar, and he's like, do you want to know why I'm making you do a whole bunch of leg work? I'm like, that'd be great because <laughs> my legs are crying. I'm ready to go in the corner. And he said, he's like, the throwers to for a certain amount of time are the fastest people on the track team. And I'm like, when I looked at him kind of funny, like, no, they're not. Like, we thick people and we can't run for ish. And he's like, no, because with, with how much power you have to generate in your legs to throw your shot and disc and moving your body, once the when the gun fires off or you hear go, that quick burst sets what you're used to, you are the fastest person starting off the blocks. I'm like, huh. That's interesting. I never really thought of it like that. Yeah, no, I didn't even think about that. Because then as I progressed with my training and I did do running, I did notice at the beginning of running, I was faster because I'm used to that burst of energy and just go. Um, but I did see an improvement. I held a record for in my school for, I think it was disc or shot. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I definitely noticed an improvement in my throwing and then just because it also it correlated with the leg work. It also correlated into my golf swing as well because of the hip movement and pivoting when I swung my club. And now it's all that's transferring over into my FMA or my Filipino martial arts uh, training because it's all pivoting with your feet, hips, and your legs. So I'm like, hey, it's all working together. So uh, I don't know. I was going to go for SDS and the, the tears I saw. Uh, let's see. I think it was Kevin's, one of his trials, and it, it was a hot day in San Diego. Okay, I'm going to rephrase this because Alan's probably like, ha, 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 yeah, sure. But I think it's it was a hot, humid day in San Diego. Um, he and I believe it was Eric and Knight Harley, they were, I think it was a physical one. And I was in the apartment and they were training out in the parking lot. And all of a sudden, I just see Kevin drenched in sweat, walking in. He didn't even say a word to me. He just held up his water bottle and was like, I'm like, do you need more water? And he's just like, he just nods. I'm like, are you doing okay? He's like, they're kicking my ass. I am so tired. I'm like, you're doing great. <laughs> Keep it up. You'll <laughs> be fine. <laughs> and then let's see, there's another one. I think it was Jason's night trial. We were out to dinner and Eric just looks at him and he's like, you want to do your night trial after this? It may remind you, we just went to a revolving sushi bar. So we just went ham. Eric, and, come on. And, nah, you got to be ready, man. It's so, so dirty. Jason's like, it, Jason's like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And it was him and Har Eric 
and Harley, they were the ones that were with Jason. And like halfway through it, Jason's like, give me a second. And he goes over, like we were on a parking structure. Um, and so, but like he goes over to the side of the wall and just throws up and then just gets back up, throws back on his helmet. He's like, okay, let's keep going. And so he just kept going with it. But yeah, I've seen, I've seen some of the knights just like after some of their trials, like their physical ones, they are drenched in sweat, like hugging the ground because it's cold and they're just dying. He he threw up in his helmet. No, he threw. He took off his helmet, went over to the side of the parking structure, and threw up. Oh, and then threw oh, his oh. Back on. For a second, yeah. that was a way more epic story. <laughs> No. <laughs> but still still quite intense yeah it's the thing is though because a lot of people would ask me like so what are what are the night trials and i'm like well eric taylor's them to you and what he thinks that you need to be like trialed on i mean like but it's not easy when people earn the title of night they freaking earn the title of night because they're like well how hard is it i'm like well one of them threw up so that should help they're like it's oh. <laughs> like black belt right it's like earning a black belt um mm-hmm. in many ways i mean the the rank is very significant in the sense that like a black belt is really like a first degree beginner is kind of the way uh not first degree there- beginner uh, no <sighs> yeah it's like or a second degree, a first degree black belt is a second degree. I don't know. I'm getting the quote wrong, but I'll have to. I'll have to ask my teacher, and maybe I'll insert it later. But um, the idea being, kind of like Alan said, your white belt turned black, right? Well, your black belt turns white, and like if you look at my black belt, I've had this particular belt that I wear now since 2017, and it looks like it's been chewed on just from tying it um and that's that's because like you tie it in the same way every time eventually the quality of the cotton like it it just gets stuck in this certain pattern right and forging a knight is like forging a black belt you have to go through that stuff because if you want any credibility it's not about credibility but it comes with credibility and if you want it then you have to earn it. So, like, I mm-hmm. guess maybe I'll throw a little story in for myself um, in terms of I'll put it in the black belt perspective, kind of like Alan did. Um, I'll give I'll give one of each. One for me would be my one of my black belt tests in 2014, I think, because um, I've been. Like, my first black belt test, I was nine years old. It's hard for me to, like, think back and be like, well, that was really hard. It was all hard. I was nine years old. (laughs) It was really hard. Um, I'd been doing it for five years, and it was really hard. You know, half my life at that point. So, anyway, in 2014, I I was doing, I think it was our third test, and it was a two-night affair because, you know, devious black belt senior black belts want to do devious things like give you a two night test because why is one enough Uh, (laughs) (laughs) like three hours isn't enough no we need six so i was in this black belt test and um i i want to say it was night two 
I feel like it was probably night two. And we did it like a Wednesday, Thursday. So I had already been teaching class for two, three hours. And then I had my own test for two, three hours. No food. Food is but an illusion. Uh, no water. And I'm not, like, I'm not trying to like lay the drama on thick, but it was dramatic for me at the time. I was sweating my you-know-what's off. And um, I, I guess like two hours in to this second night, we'd done a bunch of self-defense like like applications and things like choreographed, unchoreographed. Um, some basics and stuff. And the first night we'd already done a bunch of basics. So we get to the point where we do a little bit of point sparring. Not a lot. We do a little bit of continuous sparring. And I knew this was coming, but you forget because you're so tired that you're not thinking about anything but the pain. And my teacher goes, all right, you, you, you versus you. And I was the last you. And I had to face three of the other people in class with me. Now, there were two females and two males, and they needed a third male for me. So they probably didn't. This other, These other girls, they probably could have whooped my butt too. But... um <laughs> just to because they had to go against boys so it was kind of like let's let's give them a second and then we got a break you know so anyway they grab they grab my co-worker who was like 290 pounds at the time and they just kind of like they're not like really attacking you super hard but they're pushing you around for like four minutes five minutes and you're wearing all this sparring gear just because it's, you know, supposed to be safer. But honestly, you feel like you're going to overheat and pass out in there. And I finally get to like the last like 10 seconds and I'm going, oh, my gosh, you you did it. I'm so dizzy. I don't even know what's happening. I'm probably getting hit. I feel like maybe I'm hitting somebody else at some point And like. I just, I'm back against these punching bags, and I just remember, like, again, Shicho, like, go back to basics. I literally held out my hands like a five-year-old and went, stop! And in the last ten seconds, three grown-ass men in black uniforms wearing brown and black belts stopped hitting me when I asked them to. And then, like... All I heard was time's up and like I literally saved myself for about five seconds of pain just by going stop and I'm thinking to myself why didn't I do that like in the first minute why did it take me this long that's why you go through training like that because any one of those high-ranking black belts the first thing they would have done is put their hand in your face and said stop and probably smushed your nose in and it would have been the end of that fight like you go through the training to go through all that BS to get to the point where you realize, like, it's not that deep. Like, you got to sweat it out until you realize what you can do to get out of the situation. Maybe it's just holding your hand up and saying stop. 
Maybe it's that you have to fight, 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 fight. Maybe it's run. Maybe it's throw this really freaking far or really hard or whatever. I think going through these moments of pain, like the pain is all you think about at the time. And that's, that's kind of the point because when you're done, you're like, Oh wait, that was, that's, that was the past, you know, as far as a student, I've told this story before. I don't know if on the podcast, so I'll make it short. It's not really a training moment. It's more like he watched somebody get his ass kicked. So I had a student who entered a sparring tournament um, karate and he was like 15 kind of skinny like skateboarder build maybe surfer build um and really athletic good at trick martial arts and stuff um understood self-defense and whatnot and he just entered sparring because he liked to spar in class but he didn't like realize that some people really take it really seriously, even though we told him that. Like you don't realize till you <laughs> see it. So he goes to this tournament, and in this division that he's in, right before he's about to fight, his fight with gear and stuff. By the way, um, he watches somebody take a spin hook kick to the jaw and just go down. Ooh. Like another like 15, 16 year old. Oh, and the person who knocked him out, like, wasn't really trying to knock anybody out. Like, sometimes that stuff just happens. And uh, so I just watched like all the color in his face just disappear. And like, I I just remember the other coach went over to him and was like, you'll be fine. <laughs> like, it just pushed you'll him be right fine. The, Like, that was it. That was the end of it. <laughs> well, he's, he's like, you asked for this. You're not. This, you made your bed. Now you are laying in it. Well, to his credit, there's a, there's oh a moral gosh. to this story. To his credit, he, he sparred. He did fine. He got some points. He didn't win. It was a point match. So, like, KOs weren't the norm anyway. Like, in a continuous match, you're more likely to see a KO because you're more tired and whatnot. In a point match, a KO, a little less likely, unless it's a freak, like a spin hook kick or, or some sort of weird reverse punch that just knocks you off completely off your feet. Um, so... He gets in there, he's fine, scores a few points, gets out of it, goes and does his other competitions in kata and whatnot later. And uh, one of his little homies in class, you know, decided to enter in a different division, a kata division. And he chickens out right before he's supposed to compete. Nobody's getting spin hook kicked in the face in his division because it's kata. And it's individual. And so we're like, why on earth would he be doing this? And the kid that was sparring literally went right up to this guy who outranked him in belt and was a year or so older than him and goes, dude, somebody just got knocked out before I went and sparred. Like, what are you worried about? (laughs) (laughs) 
See, you go through these things so that you can come out better. Like you understand now what, like, why we said you'll be fine. Like, if you don't let yourself get knocked out, then the chances, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but the chances are that you're going to protect yourself and make sure you don't get knocked out. So anyway, let's, let's talk a little bit about putting people through that because first of all, Katie, I know your class is one of the hardest, most difficult, most sweat inducing classes in San Diego Sabres. Um, Alan, I took just a little bit of a warm up with you in your first holocron class, and I had sweat pouring down all my hair follicles and stuff. <laughs> and Nick, flippers of contention holocron class, I pretty much lost like 20 pounds. So what does it mean to you guys to put people through? We'll just say tests like this. Because it's not like your average training night, Katie. It might be for you. But like what is what is what is the thinking behind some of the when people come up to you and they're like they clearly feel inside that they can't go on, but you know they can. Like what is that what is that all about? I just want to make sure that people when I was teaching, I wanted to make sure they were ready. And I was also because this was this is I before the beginner's class was a thing, I think we started the beginner's class like a couple of years ago. And at the time, San Diego Sabres has been around for like two or three years and we've been going to tournaments left and right. And so seeing, and then also participating in some of these tournaments, I wanted to make sure that the beginners were ready and understanding of what they were getting themselves into. Um, I also thought with um, training them with like conditioning nights, like once a month is to push their body to the limit. Cause I've seen night trials. I've seen what Eric put the nights through. I've seen some nights put what they're, what they put their Padawans through. And so it's like, it's, I guess it's, I guess a good way to put it. It's like, you're pushing them to see who's going to make it. Like you're weeding out the people who are like, yeah, I'm not doing this. Like, you know, it's, if they're there, if the term that we always use is you got to want it. And if they stayed and they kept training, then it shows to us that they want this and they were serious about it. So like on conditioning nights, we, I, I started doing things for like, cause we did like planks and like wall sets and stuff. And so I would time them. And then like whoever lasted the longest would get like a prize. I'm like, just tell me like, what's your favorite candy? Or <laughs> There you go. Gold you star system. I like it. Yeah. So it, it was just like little encouragements and stuff like that. What's the, what's the phrase we use Alan public praise, private reprimand, right? Like you catch people doing the right thing even though you're trying to make them make mistakes in a way, right? Like you're trying to push them so hard that they mess up or they fall or they, they lose or they, they lose a point or whatever the, just like they, they stop thinking so much, whatever the case is, you're pushing them past those limits that we talked about. And you want them to know there is still candy. I do still have candy. 
you just yeah. have, you just have to come get it yeah it, it was it was something that uh I, I don't think it helps especially because i started doing beginners class not too long before uh eric steve and i went out to hawaii and then i saw I think it was bad because when we went to visit Keith for one of his classes, there was a football team that were, that was training. So while Eric was teaching in teaching class with Keith, I'm like looking over to like the coach, what he's putting the football players through. I'm like, Oh, I like that idea. I could totally use that. <laughs> I'm like, My students are going to hate me. Um, but it, it's because I push people because I know they can to be the best they could be. And it was something that I know a lot of the students didn't like it. I know it was not a fun time. Um, I'm pretty sure some of them cursed my name. <laughs> but like at the beginning, I guess, or photo you've seen, at the beginning of my class, I had them run laps. And if they cut corners, that added another lap. Yeah. And they, as a team, and it's because even though this is technically an individual sport, like scoring wise for like tournaments and whatnot, this is still a team and you still work together to hold each other accountable. That's an important part of any black belt class too, which is you guys are only, you guys are here together and only mm -hmm. until or unless somebody quits, which is not the definition of a black belt, then, you know, you guys are still here together. So might as well. Yeah. Might yeah. as well. It, it was it was a fun time again i think some of them cursed my name because oh yeah i was i get because i like i said i saw what eric put the knights through i've seen what some knights put their paddle wants through i'm like if you wanted if you want this title i'm gonna push you and i'm gonna push you hard if you're young i understand that sort of kink in your boots about oh they're pushing me too hard but if you're old okay older than 20 let's be fair you're an adult shut up train <laughs> shut up <laughs> right like i would tell any yeah. of my students that exact same thing and i would tell them that under the age of 22 like shut up train and if you don't like it that's okay because you're not paying me theoretically or uh realistically like to be my friend that's not why you came to me the door the mm -hmm. sign on the on the building or the sign on the flyer or on the facebook page doesn't say friends incorporated it says san diego savers we train people yeah you know it's like come on come on being being adult about yourself and your health and your in your uh fitness you know your ability to get good at a skill like how many people can say uh I go after work or I go after school and I fight people. And guess what? We're not enemies afterwards. How cool. Yeah. It, it was, what was it? I think it was, yeah, Andreas. And I think it was Jeremy's uh, Padawan and then Alex, who's Matthew's Padawan. I think Alex. I know for sure. Andreas I asked him like so what do you do and he's like oh I swim and he would tell me like he would swim for like a certain amount of time and then come to class and oh came, yeah yeah and I'm just looking at him I'm like bruh like why he's like because it's fun <laughs> like our and he was one of the top students I had 
he held like the wall sits for yeah. like, a, like a record for it for a while and then i think Super alex fit. was the planks guy oh yeah so i'm just like okay i see where you guys are coming from well yeah to to go back to Nick's fight camp story, the people who just went through fight camp, my my boss, their coach was like, "Well, if they're not working hard enough, I'm gonna go make them run three miles, then come back, then do a few, you know, reps on whatever weights they want, and then they're gonna fight again." It's like, you shut shut up and train. It, yeah, don't waste time telling people about uh, I'm go ready for war I'm going you know I'm I'm getting it today at the gym hashtag getting it hashtag you know what shut up train yo because wait okay I just don't have wait a second that. go for it I've been waiting for you to chime in dog I've been waiting for you to chime in let me tell you, I've been listening quietly. I've been looking at people with weird feet in, on my TV. I don't like what I'm watching. I wish you would listen loudly. All right, so look, here's the deal. Like, something that makes me salty AF, all right? And I see this at lightsaber. I see this at, at fencing. I see this, like, everywhere. People don't want to do the reps. They don't want to do, like, 10 minutes of training at home. They don't want to do five minutes of footwork. They don't want to do five minutes every, they don't want to do it every day, but then they go to session like twice a week and they're wondering why they're sucking. And it's like, yeah. well, I'm giving you the basics. I'm giving you what you do. I'm telling you how to do it at home on your own time. Cause we only get four hours a week and you're obviously not doing them. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the two people that are doing them are going excelling above and beyond. Yeah. And it's just like, it's a no brainer. I'm only going to tell you a million times and you can choose to not do it or do it. Like, I do footwork at my own discretion. I do my blade work at my own discretion. I do all this st extra stuff. Like, you know, oh, but, of course we're going to be better. But sh then show us. Then show us. Then yeah. prove it. Shut up. Shut up, train. Yeah. Shut I, up, train. Exactly. That shut up train is, like, exactly <laughs> the point. Like, and I'm going to be honest. I was one of those people for years. I was one of those people that didn't want to train at home. I did not want to do it because it sucks and it's not fun. But you know it's a lot more fun than doing drills? Winning. And you want to know how you win? You train. <laughs> that's how Alan keeps sweeping. That's how Alan keeps sweeping tournaments because he's constantly training. And and deservedly so because he's putting in the most reps. Yeah. The man is the man's. He earns that title. It's like yes. Yeah, of course. I, I said earlier he has the most experience, but he also puts in the reps. Yeah, experience does not a good fighter make. You can bank that sort of um, that that sort of mentality because if you did a minute of horse dance, let's say, when you first get up in the morning, and then a minute two hours later, and then a minute for lunch, and then a minute two hours later, and then a minute right before dinner, you've done horse dance for five minutes that day. <laughs> Right. No, 100%. That's the way to go about it, in my opinion. That's how I do it. It's I call that um, rep caching in class. Rep caching. It, it, you don't have to do like an hour-long plank, right? Yeah. But or you can 10 push-ups in a row if you, know, you can't do 10 push-ups. Yeah. You, you can do it over a period of time. It'll be okay. But certain skills, right, just take time. So it's not that, you know, 
I've sat there and I've, I've trained for an hour, you know, every day for the past three months in order to, to, to do this one technique. It's, I've been training for 20 years, that one technique. And eventually I did the same amount of reps, but I just sparsed it out, you know? So it's it's not like a a thing. And, And, and I've said this before on, on multiple occasions, if you're there, and your goal is to win, um, you'd better hope that the other person didn't uh, didn't cash in those reps, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, didn't bank it, bank those reps, because the the thing is, like, uh, when we watch, I thought you probably remember this. You saw Mike Tyson get get knocked out by Buster Douglas, right? And that's because he'd been fighting for what a decade before that and i bet you that bus and they actually did an interview with him he said the reason i knocked him out is because i saw it every single day for 10 years straight i fit we we practice it we practice practice it and i knocked him out and it just happened my my visualization became reality right it's the same thing with with techniques and reps and the perfect kata you do it because you think about it all the time, not because you, you put in, you know, a couple extra minutes at the gym all the time. The reason that people win uh, kata tournaments, fitness things, CrossFit tournaments, American Ninja Warrior, you know, is because they, they do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they just Particularly that, that Ninja Warrior type stuff because like Iron Man athletes and, man, it's yeah. just – Whoa. All the tough man stuff. It, no, that's just that's their lifestyle, right? And so if you're going to show up and say, "Hey, I am a martial artist," then you will see and breathe and feel martial arts everywhere, whether it's you know standing in line at the grocery store or sitting at your desk at work. You'll figure out different ways. Like I sit at the edge of my seat. Not because I'm excited, but because I'm in a horse stand. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things that that you you learn how to do, and you learn different ways to actually pull it off. So then, I'm I want to I want to shift it back to Nick off of what Alan's just now saying. Like, why push to the limit? Then, like, clearly pushing to a level of expertise is good, or a level of we'll say proficiency. Um, but why why push past that? And I want to ask Nick because I know Nick, like the first thing before I asked Nick to teach a holocron class, the first thing he said in reply was, uh, well, they better be ready to sweat or something like that. It's like, mm-hmm. what? So, so clearly like for Nick, like he said, putting in the reps is important, but like why, why push people past the limit? Because I believe Nick that you have seen and done a lot of that yourself between fencing yeah. and SMA. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, pushing past your limit is fun. Like it's just like straight up. It's just fun. Like it maybe but it's for just some people, it's I'm... like a really dreadful affair. Well, it's so it's only dreadful if you haven't done it yet. Yeah. That's, that's when you, if you haven't done it once, then you're not going to know what it feels like. Reaching your goal is like reaching a high because you accomplished something. So it's like if you did, like you get on a roller coaster, you get that rush of like adrenaline. 
you know, you did something, you accomplished it. And so that is what it's like reaching your limit or surpassing your limit because cool. That's like, I did this. I worked so hard on this. And then you get that rush of like serotonin, I guess would be. It is, it is better. I promise you it is better than anything you've ever felt. Like it is so worth it every time you do it. Like I literally remember like the times I've done it. And if I put myself back in that, I get that rush again, and I love it, and I'm, but I'm it's craving it. nerd activity. You're swinging Star Wars toys. Call me a nerd. I'm going to beat my limit every year, and it's going to be great, and you're going to be too busy, like, being sat on the couch watching people get their feet cleaned. <laughs> <laughs> While you're sad sitting on the couch, there are people who are like uh, we're just talking about fighting because that's the topic of the podcast but they're they're doing things activities disciplines at sometimes not a high skill level but oftentimes at a high skill level why because they they practiced it but also they they are out there doing things that they've never experienced themselves before and damn sure you're not experiencing Right now, sitting on the couch, not doing anything about going to SaberMartialArts.life and figuring out how you can freaking <laughs> do this nerd activity at a high level, too, where you feel like you're like, oh, I, I earned my knight rank in San Diego Sabres. Wh- who cares? Oh, well, I care because I, care. I know what you had to go through to do that, right? Like. Mm-hmm. And who cares if anybody else cares? Because the person who went through it cares. The person who witnessed you, the person who put you through it, they saw you do something that most people, including yourself, didn't know you were capable of. Well, and I think to piggyback off of that, like we'll use SDS as an example of people like, well, why are they a knight? And it's like, we'll get into the ring and I'll show you why I earned that title. It's like, this is something it's, yeah, it's a title, but you've proven you put in the work and it shows in the ring. And then also outside of your training, I, I have a story actually with that. There is these, there's a, a fighter who came, he trained with us for a hot second. And I think he went off to ULF, um, because we just weren't a fit for him, which is fine. Um, so when we were introduced like oh yeah we you should talk to our battle master and you know chat with him and get some more information and so he fought eric and eric whooped him and he looked at eric and he was like i totally didn't think your name meant anything i thought it was like a D thing like for the dungeon master and it was just a just a random name that you guys have but i see why you are known as this like you there there's a reason why you have this title and it's it's you've earned it and you've worked hard for it and so you've earned it because of it and if people don't really give a rip then that's on them but you have the ability to show that you've earned it for a reason if that makes sense it does i i i am i do want to kind of wrap it up because i know it's it is getting on the late side for everybody and generally we go like two hours on this but we've been hitting this smaf train hard all night three and a half hours we've been doing yeah. this <laughs> so i do want to wrap us up soon but i, I kind of want to leave it with or or at least leave my mark this way <laughs> um i i right now am at a different gym than i've been at all my life right um i don't even call it a dojo now it's a gym 
right? So just that alone, anybody who's done martial arts for a long time knows what that shift in terminology means to me as a, as a practitioner and as a teacher. So, um, and, and it's not a bad thing, just a shift. I've had to make a big shift. And I always trained kind of like with a MMA um, sensibility, and I always taught that way because, um, you know, if you like Bruce Lee at all, you know that you'll never get all the answers just by doing your one thing. Um, and if you like Bruce Lee at all, you know you never get all the answers. That's the pursuit that you're looking for. So anyway, I'm here, and I'm doing this pursuit. I'm doing something new. And there's a couple people that I really started, like, right in the first night, I knew they were good training partners, and, you know, they took care of me from a physical standpoint, but also, like, hey, they'd hit me a little bit here and there if they if I left myself open, which is also a level of respect. Like, they're not going to just, like, pussyfoot around and not hit anybody, you know. They're also going to teach you a lesson if you drop your hands and so forth. So I like those kind of people, and they're nice people, too. So for a while, I kind of just, like, throw my basics um, just kind of doing basic sparring and not really opening up a whole lot from a physical martial arts standpoint, but really trying to get to know people just by sparring everybody I can. And uh, people seem to really be getting along with me and whatever. And after a few weeks, like I came out of the kids class that I was helping teach and untied my belt and put it in my bag because I don't wear a belt in the adult class because it's an MMA class. And um, one of the guys that I've been sparring with for like weeks, like just saw like, saw like me kind of shove like a little bit of it into the bag. And he goes, hold on a second. That explains a lot. And I'm like, what? And he goes, I didn't know you were a black belt. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I help out with the kids' classes and whatnot. Like, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Doing a long time. He's like, oh. Because he realized, like, I could do more than I was letting on, but also I could take more than I was letting on. And a lot of it comes down to what, we talked about last week, which was like, just trying to like, trying to, trying to be respectful to everything and everyone and trying to figure out where you fit in with the group and, and how you fit in as a fighter, how you fit in as a trainer, as a trainee. And, um, you know, just because you have a black belt or just because you, you know, have a title or a rank doesn't mean that you're exempt from having to still put in the reps. Like I still get out there and train with those people. A lot of them have months of experience. A few of them have years of experience. Um, and I have the most experience by a long shot, almost as much as my boss, but I'm not the best fighter. You know, that's why I'm there putting in the reps. Cause I want to be the best fighter I can be. And as much as that sounds like a Wheaties commercial, hey, hashtag not a sponsor, hashtag could be. There, there's a moment in every good story. We know it, we love it, 
single movie um, where the girl basically gets knocked down. It's a big sigh, wipes the blood off her chin, pushes themselves up, picks up Mjolnir, and kicks Thanos' ass. Right? <laughs> so that's what it's like. Yeah. That's, that is the feeling of uh, training always, or, or at least that should be the goal of training always, is to push yourself past limits of where you thought you were. I mean, even in my, in my analogy, right? He, even after picking up Thor's hammer, Captain America gets his ass kicked, right? And then he straps the broken shield on his arm. He pulls himself back up, wipes the blood off his chin, sighs a big sigh and tries to go back in. And then the rest of the Avengers show up, right? So it, it's one of those things, that, that feeling that you get whenever you have accomplished something that was hard not just you know difficult but like hard something that would make somebody else quit but you stuck with it and you accomplished it every sparring match is hard right but as i get older like i'm i'm 33 in martial arts years that's like 60 um <laughs> but you know when i turn we're still punk kids so it's yeah. When I turn 60, I'm going to feel like most people feel in their 30s, you know, because of those moments where it's like I said, one sparring match is hard, but sparring 12 rounds with various people, that's really difficult. That's really difficult. Sparring 18 rounds, sparring for two hours straight with only a minute break here and there, like that's really difficult. So... Yeah, I just, like you do. You feel like Captain America. You feel like somebody who's earned that right to be a hero of your own little drama that you're going through called life. And you can you can feel good about like I get home, I walk taller when I feel like I worked out hard. I get in the shower, I come out of the shower all clean. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I I did like the whole human being thing today." You know, like I I I worked hard. And I came home and I cleaned hard and my kids are happy and everybody's in bed. And hey, now I, I did this thing today. You know, like you just feel like everything is right. You're working at a higher level. Anyway, that was that was maybe a little more graphic than our PG-13 rating. Talking about <laughs> nah, man, sometimes you got to push that rating. All right. I get a lot of podcasts without me. <laughs> You know, some, we just got to bring in the rated R every now and again, and I that's think, okay. I think in the description oh for God. this episode, I'm going to put there's a shower scene in this episode. <laughs> we'll see if that peaks everybody's. We'll see if downloads peak on this episode. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> or like a plummet. Smack board after dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, for sure. All right, guys. I think we're going to I think we're going to pick it up, pack it up and send it away. Sounds good, my dude. Sounds delightful. I'm hungry. I appreciate you guys <laughs> almost uh, good. seemingly everlasting, but I know it's finite time commitments that you always give us. So, Katie Maine, Nick Richardson, president of hey. SMAF, Sifu Venable, Allen of the Southwest, 
clan of Sabersmen. (laughs) This really is an after dark episode. I love you guys. (laughs) Bring your own saber. Love you guys too. We'll see you next time. Yeah, bring your own saber. Bring your own saber. And then bring a spare. Yeah. And then bring one for me.